Good morning, church. It is my great joy to share the word with you this morning with my beautiful wife. We are in a series called Ikaya, and Ikaya is about... I've knocked my bow and arrow over. Just for those who wanted to see it, bow and arrow. Is anybody an apple? And I'm looking for a volunteer. Just... <laughs> Back to Ikaya. <laughs> Ikaya is about family. Ikaya is about relationships. Ikaya is about raising the next generation. And whether it's children or whether it's disciples, disciples that we're raising. So whether you have children or whether you're single, this applies to you. And Pastor Simon, he's in Botswana with Pastor Siv this morning. But uh, last week he gave us the charge from Paul to Timothy. And I want to just remind us of these powerful passages of Scripture. Paul's speaking to a young man, and he says to him, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. In other words, by, this, by the prophetic words spoken over your life, by those things that God has said, this is who you are, and this is what he has for you, you might do warfare with them. Charge two. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anyone look down on you, but be an example in every one of these ways. And do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy. Note the prophecy again. Charge three, but you, man of God, flee from all this, talking about all the sins of the world, and pursue righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. And then the last charge, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God the good deposit entrusted to you. Now today we go to one of the most important Psalms. Sorry, let me tell you something before we go to the most important Psalms. <laughs> These are our sons, and um, as Nick and I talk, we're not going to use many examples from our family. We're not going to. We're going to stick primarily to the Word of God. But I want to tell you that that works. What we're telling you, the Word of God works. And we see it in the lives of our, our sons, the way they love Jesus, the way they serve in leadership, the way they give of themselves. So if you're looking at saying, if you don't know, does this apply to you? We've seen this work in our lives. So I'm not going to talk about them much but to encourage you to say, as you apply the Word of God, you will see it for your own children as well. We're going to look at one of the most important psalms today, Psalm 127. It's one of the 15 psalms of ascent. These are the 15 most important psalms. These were the psalms that they would sing as they would go up to Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem was on a mountain. To get to Jerusalem, they would, they would ascend. They would go to the high place. And as they ascended... Fathers would sing these songs to their sons. Mothers would sing their songs to their daughters. And the word ascent literally means to step or stairs. So there's a stepping up, and it's systematic, and it's methodical, and it's step by step by step by step. The literal scripture, if you go to the Hebrew, says a psalm, ascent or step, as I said, and then it says Solomon. There's no preposition there, so some people think that it's a psalm of Solomon, and some people say, which I believe, it's a psalm for Solomon. Either one is acceptable. 
I believe it was David writing something for his son, telling him, if you're going to build a temple, if you're going to build a family, if you're going to build a city, however you build it, this is how you do it. Now, it's so interesting. We, we apply the principles of being systematic to sport. We apply to the working world. We apply to our studies. But we sometimes go a little bit strange, a little bit weird when it comes to Christianity. We seem to think it's inauthentic for us to have a degree of, of rhythm, a degree of praxis, a degree of systematization. Now, yes, God wants you to be fresh, ever fresh in your relationship with him, and ever fresh in your relationships with your children. But he also wants there to be an intentionality. He also wants there to be a deliberateness in how you raise your, your kids and how you raise the next generation. So we're going to go to the Word of God. Now, won't you stand as we read it? Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And Father, I pray that your word this morning would penetrate our hearts and our lives and that it would not return to you void. Amen. Please be seated. So the first question that we're asking this morning is how, is you, how are you building? And this is a question I'd like you to consider while we go through the morning sermon. The author uses the words in vain three times in just two verses. And why does he say that? Firstly, because God is the master builder and he's busy building something. And of course, he wants you and I to be part of what he's building. But if we are not building according to his standards, his specifications, his blueprint, his order, then what we are building is useless, it's in vain, and basically we're wasting our time. God does not make himself at home or come and live in something that he himself hasn't built or where he is not the foundation. And similarly, we can't beg God to come and bless something and be part of something and fill it with his glory if he has not been the, the builder of it. And so in, in scripture, we see so many times when God gave special instructions about how something was to be built and those instructions were followed, then it was in those moments that his glory filled the house. And going back to Psalm 127, whether it was Solomon writing it or, or David to Solomon, we see that he did not heed those words. He didn't even take um, note of his own words because even though Solomon was known as the wisest man, what he built in the end was reckless, it was disastrous, and basically it came to ruin. And I think um, if, if you want to remember it this way, 
then remember if it's God's house, it's God's house rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, he needs to be the foundation. The second part of that um, verse one is, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And basically, in the ancient cities, the guards would watch throughout the day on the walls, watching for enemies. And as well, on the night time, the guards would stand watch on the walls, watching for enemies that would come and attack the city, come and destroy the city. And so security then was a, a real concern. And security now in our lives is a real concern. In the world today, there are enemies that want to attack the preaching of the word and disciples being made. In the world today, enemies want to attack the building of family. Enemies want to bring the world's way of thinking into our way of thinking. The enemy is prowling around looking for who he can devour. But it is the Lord who makes secure. It is the Lord who brings safety and security as long as he's the foundation. Verse 2 then talks about in vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. And this is talking... Um, about not, you know, it, it talks about not um, as not having to work hard or work diligently. It is that, but it recognizes it is, that it's the Lord who provides. But he wants us to have physical rest and spiritual refreshment. He wants us to spend time with our families. He wants us to make friends in the church and in the community. But he wants us to recognize that ultimately it's him who provides. And even while we sleep, he wants us to have peace and bring his blessing and favor upon us. And so we need to trust him with our lives, with our families, with our relationships and our future. One of the key ways to building God's way um, is found in Ephesians 6 verse 18. And the context before this passage of scripture is putting on the whole armor of God so that we can withstand the enemy, so that we can stand firm in the evil day, so that we can um, withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. And this is what it says, praying at all times in the spirit with prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. In other words, next slide, thank you. <laughs> Prayer is the first thing, the second thing, the third thing. Pray therefore, pray, pray, pray. Roger and I have always prayed individually and together for our children because we know that there's power in agreement and also that God has given us an authority as parents to speak into the lives um, and pray over the lives of our children. But to do this, you need to put time into your daily schedules, your weekly routines, to pray. <laughs> That's the most important thing, is that you actually pray. And many of our prayers have been contending for health, for emotions, for attitudes, for relationships, um, for godly friendships, for wisdom helping us as parents, and most of all, for their destinies. And even now, while our sons are away from home studying, we still pray for them. We still intercede on their behalf so that they'll succeed in the Lord. Um, I just want to show you one slide of our family 
um, expectations, something that we spoke through with our sons. These are the examples of our kids, but there won't be many more. <laughs> um, so we spoke through um, them with them, and then we put them on the fridge. And the first one is that our family is committed to God, that we desire for you to grow in your relationship with God. Our family is committed to each other. Family is our first ministry. Our family is committed to church. You will attend faithfully, and you will serve faithfully. Everyone has an opinion. Kindly disregard opinions that don't line up with God's word and our expectations of you. Follow your heart. Do what you feel God has gifted you to do, not what others want you to do. Always, under any circumstance, come to us about your struggles. We are a safe place for you to discuss your issues, good or bad. I just want to highlight the one um, part on our our family is committed to church. You will attend faithfully and serve faithfully. Something that we valued. Thank you, Zell. Thank you, Zell. I should have done that. Sorry, everybody. All right, back to church. Something that we, we valued as a family was going to bed at a reasonable hour on a Saturday evening so that on Sunday morning, our children would show up at church, that they would serve faithfully, that they wouldn't yawn in the youth service, <laughs> um, and that they'd get the most out of it. Even now, our sons would say that hearing a Sunday sermon almost Every Sunday of their lives has not only transformed them and given them wisdom, etc., but it has given them the edge and the confidence for public speaking. And one thing that one of our sons um, has done is on his own initiative is in his res, he has run a public speaking course a number of times because he wants to help younger men present themselves, get their ideas across and give them a voice. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. I'll walk you down. <laughs> I'm not going to mess this one up. <laughs> Sorry, I left my finger on the floor. Zahel, so, you're a good brother. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. Friends, we are called to be fruitful, and we are called for a relationship, and this just beautifully comes together in offspring. And whether it's the natural way, or whether you've adopted, or whether it's spiritual sons and daughters, we should treasure, we should recognize what God gives us in children. You know, the consequence of not rejoicing, not celebrating, not cherishing our offspring is absolutely devastating, whether it's on a national or whether it's on a personal level. First, national. The Economist in July 2018 said the following, the one-child policy per couple was horrific for women in China. Many were subjected to forced sterilizations or abortions. Newborn girls were killed, removed by family planning officials, or abandoned by parents, desperate, that their one permitted baby be a boy. Women from neighboring countries suffered too, as victims of human trafficking, 
A skewed male-to-female ratio made it more difficult for young men to find Chinese wives. China is desperately trying to rectify this policy, but in fact, it may be too late. Hubert Humphrey, one of America's vice presidents, said the following, a nation's greatness is measured by how it treats its weakest members. And whether it's a nation or whether it's ourselves as parents or in families, there's tons of research on the individual in terms of the devastating impact of mistreatment or neglect on a young child, on a baby. From attachment disorders to very poor academics to devastatingly challenged IQs, literally they can do an MRI on the brain of a child that has been neglected or been abused, and they can see the lack of development. And Jesus said, feed my lambs, John 21. Jesus said in Matthew 19, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Parents, uncles, aunts, we are called to let the little children come to him and not to hinder them. Even worse, or more challenging, Matthew 18, it says, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be worse, to be better for them to have a large millstone thrown around their neck. This is how important little children are to God. We must treasure our children, our offspring, our heritage. So interesting. A lot of research has been done on deathbed regrets. What do people regret? What do people say on their deathbed? And by far, the biggest deathbed regret is, I wish I had been more loving to the people who matter the most. Now, it's not good enough for it to be in our hearts. It needs to be expressed in our lips, in our lives, and the time that we spend. May we never communicate something like this to our children. May we never communicate disappointment or regret to them that we had them. May we never say painful words like, you've cost me so much. I lost my figure because of you. I sacrificed my career for you. No, no, no. What we need to say is, you are my delight. I'm so glad you were born. You bring such joy to me. We anticipated you. We waited for you. And we are so thrilled that you are here. Now, there are many ways by which we can show love to people. And I want to look at this, this image of an arrow. It talks about like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Our children, young sons, daughters, born in the youth. And, and the first thing it says in the hands of a warrior, the word is El-Gibor, which means strong man, or courageous man, or brave man. Do you know what? To be a good parent, you need to be courageous. You're not initially trying to be their best friend. You are called to courageously parent. You're called to do what is right for them for the long term. And this takes a strength, and this takes a courage. And sometimes if you've got more than two, you might feel outnumbered. So again, it takes courage. <laughs> I had the, the great privilege of um, going to Colorado in July with my father. And we went way south Colorado where the Utah Indians are, um, living in a so-called reservation. And there they make arrows. And you can see how they make arrows. And if there's one thing that you can see in making arrows 
is that it is painstaking and it is systematic and it takes effort and it takes focus and it's deliberate. So I want to talk about how we create arrows, how we make our sons and our daughters into arrows in the hands of a warrior. And the first thing that is required is that you make them into a straight shaft. And this is talking about them being whole. This is talking about them being being in a place of, of wellness in their soul. It's talking, excuse me, it's talking also about their identity and their character. You know, if you send an arrow out, doesn't matter how much force you send it out with, but if you send an arrow out that isn't straight, it's going to wobble, and it's not going to hit the mark. I want to ask you a question. What is your goal as parents? Is it to raise good, successful, well-behaved in public children and keep them safe from home? Keep them safe from harm, rather. Is that your goal? Good, well-behaved, and keep them safe? Or is it that you want to raise up swift, offensive weapons that push back darkness, that bring the gospel wherever they are, that do great things for the kingdom of God? That's got to be our objective. As men and women who are all in for God, what is your goal with your sons and daughters? Is it just managing them? Is it just handing them over to television and YouTube and Pinterest and whatever? Or are you willing, like the UT Indians, to make a straight shaft? What does it look like? Dealing with their character, their wholeness, and their identity means you've got to strip off the twigs and the leaves and imprint truth into them. You've got to straighten them with pegs, which is about word and truth. You've got to sand out the flaws. You've got to say to them, you are made in the image of God, and you are awesome, and you are valuable, but there's something of the flesh that is in you that is not true to the word of God. Remember that bad behavior ignored is actually bad behavior taught. And character formation takes energy, perseverance, and discipline. You know what character is? It is how your child responds to life circumstances. That's character. And how your child responds to authority. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Start off children on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. Now, it's interesting. If you want to make a straight arrow, you need a plumb line. You need something that is straight. If you want to raise up children to be straight shafts, you know what's really important? Is that you are straight. <laughs> okay? You reproduce after your own kind. And if you are not a straight arrow yourself, you're not going to be able to build a straight arrow. The second thing that we give them is we give them wings. We give them feathers. You know what the feathers do? They keep the back of the arrow following the front. In other words, it's not pulling sideways. They keep it going in a straight direction. It gives them stability. You know what feathers are? Feathers are a first-hand experience and knowledge of God. It's once they are launched, who do they walk with? Who do they run with? Do they run with God himself? We are to give our, our children an enjoyment of God. We are give, 
we are to give our children a sense of God's presence. We are to give our children a sense of worship. And how do we do this? By having in ourselves and by praying for them. And sorry, not just praying for them, but by praying with them. We are to give them feathers so that once we launch them, they continue, that their faith is firsthand. They're not doing things out of compliance, but they have been transformed in the inner part, and now they are hungry for God. Now they desire God, and they are thirsty for His presence. The third thing an arrow has is that they have what is called a knock. And the knock is what's at the back of the arrow. And what you do with the knock is you hold the arrow. And this is about relationships. Zane, have you got that apple? And it's snug. And we are called to be that knock for children. We are called not just to give them truth, but to give them so much love. We are called to build relationships. So parents, you've got to spend time with them. You've got to set aside supper times. You've got to set aside time taking them to school. You've got to set aside time before after work. So that when you bring truth to them, their hearts are open because you've loved them and you've given relationship to them. You know, sometimes with my boys, when there's a heavy thing that I need to do, I take them for a run or take them for a cycle and then for an ice cream or something, you know, and the serotonin's high and the endorphins are high, and that's the time that we go straight for their hearts. <laughs> so if I ever take you for a cycle, you know what I'm doing, Okay. <laughs> But you know, it's interesting. This knock is only meant to hold for a season. You know, some of these American bow hunters come, and you know what they do? They are skilled at shooting. But when it comes to letting the arrow go, they just can't do it. And sometimes as parents, we're just not that good at letting our children fly. And it's not just once when they're 21. It's when they're six or five, you send them to nursery school, you send them to primary school. It's letting them be with their friends. It's letting them ride on a bike. It's step by step. It's a hundred different ways that you release them. Parents, you are called to bring your children to a place of success in life, that they don't need you, <laughs> that they're not dependent on you. So don't let, let this relationship, this knock, be what holds them back. And last is there needs to be a point. There needs to be a sharp arrow point. Now, there are two callings on every one of our lives. And the first calling is that we are going for God, that He is our target and He is our goal. But there's a secondary calling on every person's life, and it's different and unique, a driving passion, a reason why we are doing what we're doing. And we are called to find out and to nurture and encourage in our children what is your purpose? What is your calling? What is your destiny to the glory of God? What's really important is that your kids see that you have got goals in life, that you have got purpose in life that is worth emulating and following. John writes in 3 John 1, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. As we fire off our arrows, as we release our children into life, May we fire them at the right things. May they not be caught up in things of greed or, or selfishness or status or prominence or worldliness. But let's release our children into the fullness of what God has for them. If we build according to God's way, 
if we treasure what he values, if we release our handcrafted arrows so that they fly straight and true, you know what the outcome's going to be? There'll be a good return. We will be able to contend with our enemies, our opponents at the gate. We will be strong. We will succeed. There will be a reward for us. And for every parent, I think there's got to be no greater joy than to see that our children succeed. See them, them walk in the fullness of their calling and their destiny. Have Nick and I made mistakes? For sure. I'll give you a classic. Once, I can't even remember what James did, but, um, or what I thought he had did, done, rather. And so I gave him a hiding, and then it turned out that he hadn't done it. And can you imagine the, I just felt like such a terrible parent. A week later, he flooded our house. Okay, we were sitting downstairs, and we heard drip, 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 and he'd left the tap on upstairs. And so it had flooded all the way through from the top, through the ceiling. And um, I just said to him, no problem, boy. You already received your punishment. <laughs> so maybe you like, like Nick and I, where you are doing your best. Um, and you've made mistakes. But I want to give you an opportunity now just to re-consecrate yourself to this, to make parenting, to make imparting to the next generation, disciples if you don't have children, just a primary goal. Can, can we bow heads in prayer? And, and if you're here today and you, and you just realize that you've been missing the mark with your children, you have not been the example You've not been disciplined. Maybe you're holding on too much. Or maybe not letting them go. But if you're here today and you, and you recognize, you realize that there's some adjustment needed, I want you to do something and that is stand up before the Lord. I'm not going to bring you forward. Um, but if you need to confess before the Lord, if you need to repent and say, Lord, I know I've messed up, but I want to do well, then just stand to your feet and we're going to pray with you number of times I've apologized to my boys for where I've messed up as a parent. If you want God's grace, if you're consecrating yourself as a parent, just stand to your feet now. Father, as we stand, we are looking to you, Father God. As we stand, we are confessing, Lord God, that we can do better, Father God. Lord, we can, we can raise up these arrows, Lord God. We can build them well, Lord God. We can, we can give them, Lord, an experience of the Holy Spirit by praying for them and with them. Lord, we can release them, Lord God, and we could help them in their purpose. So, Father God, I pray for these fathers and mothers, Lord God, standing. And I pray your grace. I pray your strength. I pray for wisdom. And I pray for new habits. And I pray for new patterns, Lord God, new ways of seeing their children, Lord God, new ways of organizing their time. Lord, our goal, Lord God, is to see our children and our disciples, Lord God, be strong and mighty. So we pray graces for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.